Good morning. Good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well on this beautiful Sunday morning. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. He's so good. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We're just going to praise him and we're going to thank him because he is good. He is good. Above all else, he is good. He is good. Every lie that's telling you something else, it's not truth. He's good. We just declare that over you. That's like your helmet of salvation right now. He is good in Jesus' name. Amen. And I, I wanted to speak to you today from something that began stirring in my heart a few weeks ago when, Laura, um, when um, Gloria Engel was here uh, on that Sunday morning during worship. I was kneeling right over here in the front just asking the Lord, you know, Lord, what are you saying about this virus? What is going on? And, and I just wanted, you know, to seek his face on it. And he said to me, what are you doing on the floor? I want you to get up. It's time to stand up and fight. It's time to arise. It's time for the bride of Christ in this city, in this hour, in New York City to arise. No pandemic is going to hold us down or keep us in fear. I lived through 9-11. I'm a native-born New Yorker. We will, by the strength of God, by the ability of the Lord, we will rise up again. And I felt the Lord tell me, get up and fight. Don't cower in fear in the name of Jesus. So I want to release that to you. And I want to release the word that um, I felt that that morning that he gave me. I want to speak it out again. It's from Acts 9.6. And um, I think it's going up behind me. But you should turn to it in your Bibles, in your tablets, in your in your phones, read the word of God, ingest it because it's going to give you life in this hour. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Now, this is right after Paul got thrown off of his horse as he was going to persecute the church. And the Lord said to him, get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And immediately something like later, a few verses later, after he was getting baptized, like scales fell off his eyes and he could see, and he got up and was baptized. That word about getting up. We're not going to stay victims because we are not victims. We're victors because our father is a victor. He went to the cross for us. You understand? Any born-again believer, any child of God is not a victim of their circumstance. You are a victor. He already paid that price for you. And this is the church's finest hour. So I also felt during my times of prayer in the last week, I also felt that this is going to be the time when some of you are going to find your voice. You're going to find why you were born. That it's all of a sudden everything's going to click and it's going to come alive for you. And, and it's sometimes in the times of adversity when you seek the Lord and you, you get out of your shell and you're not being a, um, a victim but you're, uh, of your circumstances, but you're being a solutionary and you're crying out to the Lord that he's actually giving you ideas. He's giving you strategies. He's telling you what you to do. He's making you a voice. So the Bible is full of stories of people who found their voice. And God is writing a story. He's writing a story right now, even as we speak. And your name is in the storyline. You need to find your name in the story of God. He's calling out your name. Hear him calling out to you as you read the stories in the book. 
where your tears are is where you're going to be called. Typically, that's what happens when you cry out. I know for myself, I was an intercessor, and every time I would hear stories of the, you know, the, the prophets crying out to the Lord on behalf of the people, I would cry too. It just broke me as well, and that's when I knew I was called to intercession. You're each going to find your voice if you search for him out and hear him. He's going to show you where your tears are. It's going to come alive to you. So I want to take one of these stories from the Bible of a woman, Esther, who didn't know that she was called to do anything else but just be the beauty queen. She didn't know that she was called to be a, a, a deliverer of her people. She had no idea. She wasn't prepared for anything like this. She was very young. It wasn't something that she wanted even, but it came upon her. The only thing she was preparing for was to go before the king and taking 12-month beauty treatments because she was picked out as one of the most beautiful women in his kingdom. And so the 12-month beauty treatments, that was the only thing she was being prepared for. So you could say like, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't know. I wasn't expecting this. I had no hint. There were no prophetic words about this. But God knew. And it didn't take him by surprise. You understand? Nothing that you're facing today took him by surprise. So you can get up and be strong in the strength of the Lord. You know what the Lord spoke to, to, um, to Gideon when Gideon too was cowering in fear? You know, the Midianites, the Midianites, they've They've ravaged our land where, where I'm hiding. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the wheat in a wine press because I don't want them to see me, and, and he's hiding out. You know what the Lord spoke to him and said to him? It's in Judges 6.14. Go in the strength you have. And I just want to declare over each one of you, you have a strength because God has given each one strength, and he will give even more. Go in the strength of the Lord. Do great exploits for him. Ha <laughs> ha. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So this morning, um, I was on a prayer call as well, and I just, um, I just got struck by needing to pray for all of our first responders here in, in the city. And they've been awesome, and we just want to bless them, and we want to do anything that we can for them, whether it's the medical personnel, the, the fire department, the the EMT workers, the ambulance people, every single person, the, the police department, our government, we bless them in every way. And then I just looked up, who is a first responder? And this was the definition that really hit me. A first responder is any individual who runs toward an event rather than away. I'm gonna ask you today, who are you? Are you a first responder? Are you going to get up and, without thinking of yourself and run to the crisis or run away from it? I want you to think about that as we go into the story of Esther. We're going to break it apart a little bit. And um, just to give us the background, we're just going to take a few verses from the beginning of Esther. We'll do Esther 1, verse 1 and 2. And it reads, this is what happened during the time of Xerxes. The Xerxes who ruled over 127 provinces stretching from India to Kush. At that time, King Xerxes reigned from his royal throne in the citadel of Susa. Now, Xerxes was a Persian king. 
His kingdom went from, if you can see how vast it was, it went from India and Kush is Ethiopia. So it went all the way from Africa, Ethiopia, all the way to India. He was a very powerful man. And, you know, just the background of the story, he needed to replace his, his queen because she, he, she defied him and he didn't like that. So um, they were doing a beauty thing throughout all the provinces, trying to gather them and see who were the most beautiful women. And if we could read on then from chapter 2 of Esther, verse 5 through 8. Now there was in the citadel of Susa a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin named Mordecai, son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, who had been carried into exile. Did you hear that? He was carried into an exile. He came in as a slave. Is that understood? That's right. It doesn't matter what your background is. You can be an overcomer. You can be a first responder. So he was carried from exile from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, among those taken with Jehoiakim, king of Judah. Mordecai had a cousin named Tadassa, whom he had brought up. He brought her up because she had neither father nor mother. This young woman, who was known as Esther, had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter when her father and mother died. When the king's order and edict had been proclaimed, many young women were brought to the citadel of Susa and put under the care of Haggai. Esther was also taken to the king's palace and entrusted to Haggai, who had charge of the harem. This wasn't a glorious thing. This wasn't like, oh, a, a, it was a pageant to see who could be the next queen for this Persian king. And so... Mordecai brought her up. They were brought up pretty much in captivity in a land that they were subdued by, okay, by Nebuchadnezzar, the, for, the predecessor of Xerxes, okay? But there was adjustment. There was a man looking to father, looking to care for. He was, he was an example. He was a mentor. He was a father figure. I want you to focus on what Mordecai is. Is the Lord speaking to you? Are you a Mordecai? Are you an Esther? Who are you in the storyline that God is writing today? We'll keep going from verse 10 through 12, again from Esther 2. Esther had not revealed her nationality and family background because Mordecai had forbidden her to do so. Every day, he walked back and forth. You hear that? He walked back and forth near the courtyard of the harem to find out how Esther was and what was happening to her. Do you, can you picture that? He was walking back and forth, back and forth. People say sometimes, why do intercessors go back and forth, back and forth? That's part of praying. That's part of keeping watch. He was watching over this young woman to find out how she is, her welfare, how she is, what's going going on, how he can help. That's what we do in intercession. We walk back and forth. We cry out to the Lord between what is and what, and what his will is, what currently the present circumstances are and what he wants to accomplish. We want to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what he was doing over this girl's life. He protected her. He was her protector. He walked back and forth. So let's go back to the verse, okay, to find out how Esther was, 
and what was happening to her. Before a young woman's turn came to go into King Xerxes, she had to complete 12 months of beauty treatments prescribed for the women, six months of the oil of myrrh, and six months of perfumes with cosmetics. Okay, so that was her background. That was her upbringing. She had a wonderful step-parent in her uncle. It wasn't her natural father. Take the excuses away. If you didn't have a good upbringing as far as a na natural parents, just know that the Lord always provides. Even as we're going to just be flipping a little bit, even with Gideon, in Judges 6, too, it's not like he had people to mentor him. The angel of the Lord came to encourage him to do it. Whatever it is for the hour, if you say yes in your heart, the Lord will prepare you. He will give you what you need and who you need if you have a yes in your heart. Do not be afraid of the circumstances around you. Just have the yes in your heart and raise, rise up. Get up. Get up. That's what the Lord told Paul. Get up. Get up. He wants him to preach all over. Get up. Don't be afraid. Don't hide. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> okay. So um, Esther 2.15. When the turn came for Esther, the young woman, um, the, Mordecai had adopted the daughter of his uncle Abihail to go to the king. She asked for nothing other than what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the harem, suggested. And Esther won the favor of everyone who saw her. Okay, she had, she won favor because she didn't walk in pompousness. She walked in a sense of humility. This is something... This is part of a scripture and storyline of her life that I, I have always loved. Because while other women were going and picking out, oh, this is what I want to wear, and that's the latest fashion, and I want to have some of that, and this, and this, she just was like, okay, you know, the, the king's eunuch who's in charge, she just said, what do you think I should wear? Ha, huh. did you hear that? What do you think I should wear? She said, whatever you think I should wear, I'll wear. See, her, her spirit man was ready to hear, even from her uncle that later was going to admonish her in something, because she wasn't full of herself. She was waiting to see what the people over her thought. She was inviting their input into her life. Okay, so then in verse 17, now the king was attracted to Esther more than to any of the other women, and she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. So she won the beautiful beauty contest, and he threw a party for her, and da-da-da-da. But then later, uh, you know, things, uh, things in his kingdom, they start talking about what happened to Haman, and Haman was elevated to be prime minister in the land. So we're going we're gonna to turn now to see this is the, the plot of the story just starts to thicken. This is the beginning of it where we see the crisis right now. Okay, from Esther 3, 8 through 15. 
Then Haman said to King Cersus, this was the prime minister, okay? There is a certain people dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom who keep themselves separate. Their customs are different from those of all the people, and they do not obey the king's laws. It is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them. And I will give 10,000 talents. I'll even throw my own money in to the royal treasury to get rid of them all. And then the king says to him, keep the money and do with the people as you please. Then on the 13th day of the first month, the royal secretaries were summoned. They wrote out in script of each province and the language of each people of Haman's orders. Remember, there's 126 provinces with all different languages. And they had what length they went to to annihilate the Jewish people. The anti-Semitic spirit was very strong. And it just, it just wanted to annihilate all of them. And th this was such a work in progress. They actually had to wait 10, 11 months to, to you know, by the time they issue the decree and then actually, um, actually execute on it. It would take that long. And so think of the crazy madness that had to be upon them to actually go ahead with this plan. Okay? So let, let's go back. And then dispatches were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces with the order to destroy, kill, and annihilate the Jews. A copy of the text of the edict was issued as law in every province and made known to the people of every nationality so they would be ready for that day. The couriers went out spurred by the king's command and the edict was issued in the citadel of Susa. And then the king and Haman, they sat down to drink. But the city was bewildered. What and the heck just happened. Nobody understood any of this. So then this is where Mordecai steps in. Remember, he's the intercessor who watched over this young woman's life. Thank you, Jesus. Esther 4, 1 through 11. This is one of my favorite stories, you might tell, because I really, I love to read into this. When Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the city wailing loudly and bitterly. But he went only as far as the king's gate because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter it. In every province to which the edict and order of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping, and wailing. Many lay in sackcloth and ashes. And then Esther's eunuchs and female attendants came and told her what Mordecai was doing. And she was in great distress. What's going on? I, I don't know. You know, so she sent clothes for him to put on instead of, you know, the sackcloth, but he wouldn't accept them. Then Esther summoned Hathak, one of the eunuchs assigned to her, to find out, to order what's going on with, with Mordecai. So Hathak went out to Mordecai in the open square. And Mordecai told him everything that was happening to him, including the exact amount of money Haman offered, promised to pay for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation, which had been published in Susa, to show to Esther and explain it to her. And he told him to instruct her. Ready? He told him, Mordecai told Esther to go into the king's presence to beg for mercy and plead with him for her people. 
But what was Esther's response? What did she do? She said, all the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that if any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned by the king has but one law, they're put to death unless the king extends his royal scepter to them. And she said, but for the last 30 days, I have not been called in to go to the king. Now, can you imagine, is that a marriage, first of all? Like, you're the queen, he's the king, you haven't even seen him in 30 days? That's really sad. So could you imagine the insecurity that's building up inside of her? I think maybe he's fooling around with somebody else. I mean, he has a harem. I'm not his first choice. I'm sure to be killed. If I go, I, I, I'm, I'm done. Why, why should I go? Like, I'm already feeling rejected. He hasn't called me for 30 days. What would you do? <laughs> but for Mordecai, he was a spiritual father. Spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers remind people who they are, what they're called to, and what their future is when we forget. And we all need them. We all need them. And if you don't think you need them, maybe you're just above everybody. But God has called us to be in family. And it was Mordecai's words that penetrated her heart and helped her to make sense of what was happening. He was the one pacing back and forth. And now he's pacing, but he's wearing sackcloth. He's wearing the sackcloth, but he knows what he instilled in this young woman. And he knows that could it be. Okay, we'll read it together. Woo! A father in the faith. Rise up. Esther 4, 12 through 14. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think, Esther, my dear, that you're in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance, I'm gonna say it again, relief and deliverance for the Jewish people, Relief and deliverance 
from coronavirus pandemic, relief and deliverance will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Now it's interesting to me that from the beginning of the onset of coronavirus in the United States, Every time I was in a prayer meeting, a prayer meeting, I kept hearing someone pray for such a time as this, for such a time as this. And at first, I didn't really get it. I was like, why is everybody praying that? And it was highlighted to me, but I really didn't understand what the Lord was trying to get my attention on. But I think I know some of it now. It's for such a time as this that each one of you were called each and every one of you. You have no need to fear. You are in the right place at the right time. Your father has equipped you with everything you need for a successful mission, for everything that he wants to carry out on the earth right now. Just, ste just step into the footsteps of what he has for you. Step into it. He has something for you. Don't miss your opportunity. This was her opportunity. She was a young woman. Yes, she could have gone down in history as being the, the queen of, uh, of the Persia, of, of all these nations and, and all this. But God had some greater intention in mind. We need to listen. We need to not be afraid. But he calls cowards. Remember, he called Gideon from the wine press hiding. So it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what your circumstance is. He's calling you out. He called Peter after Peter denied him. He called Paul after Paul was persecuting the church. And he told him, rise up. Come on now, you're going to be one of my disciples. He's calling each one of us into our hour for such a time as this. <laughs> oh my goodness. And I, I love Mordecai in this storyline because he's so important. If you turn to Malachi 4.6, and this is a very important verse in this house. It's for me, it's, it's one of my life verses. It's I know what I'm called to. He will turn, and this is speaking about the spirit of Elijah, he will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. Some, another version says with a curse. And this is the last verse of the Old Testament. And the New Testament, one of the Gospels, starts with this one as well, speaking about John the Baptist turning the hearts as well. This is such a key verse. This is the spirit that Mordecai lived in. He was a spiritual father in the faith. He reminded Esther where she was supposed to go, what her calling was. He was watching over her. <laughs> in a good way. He wasn't trying to confine her. He was trying to set her up and help her, just like Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our paraclete even in this hour. He is there. He will be there for you all the time. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He is there. 
And I proclaim to you that the Lord will bring everyone in your path that you need. If you need a Mordecai in your life, if you need an angel to come like Gideon did, whatever you need, God will supply it. Thank you, Jesus. You know, sometimes we want to save our lives. Like, you know, like, oh, I'm just going to hide out in the palace. I know I'm going to be taken care of. I know I have that protection. That's why I bought all those extra rolls of toilet paper <laughs> and the masks and the sanitizers and, and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That's self-preservation. So much teaching has come forth from this house on being a son and daughter, on sonship, and not acting out like an orphan. I'm going to challenge every one of you, and maybe you didn't hoard, but maybe you did. So if you hoarded or if you just did a little stockpile of anything at all, maybe it's toilet paper, maybe it's finances. But I'm going to challenge you to go to the Lord and ask him, God, do you want me to give any of this away? Do you want me to walk out and be an Acts church. We all say we want the signs and the power and the miracles. But it started with they were their brother's keeper. They put their things together. They found out who was in need and helped to meet that need. <laughs> you want freedom? Give, and it's going to be given unto you. Even if it's a roll of toilet paper, if that's what you have faith to give. But God might be challenging you to do a little bit more than that. I lived through 9-11, and we're going to live through this. And we're going to be our brother's keeper. I know that that's what the Lord is challenging us to do. So I was telling you that every time I was in a prayer meeting, I kept hearing the words, for such a time as this, for such a time as this. And I really felt as time kept going on and I kept pondering it and praying into it and pondering it and praying into it, that's what you do. You just let it stew, you let it incubate, you let it percolate, you know, the, the prayers, you know, you just, just, you, you just keep, you just like keep praying over them and kneading the dough and praying and praying and saying, God, what are you saying? What are you saying? What are you saying? And I felt another piece of that is that some people are going to actually find their voice. This is actually going to be your greatest hour. You're going to be thrust forth. You're going to say, I can't believe this happened to me. <laughs> It's already been written. All you got to do is just step in it. Don't be afraid. Just step in it. And we'll keep reading, and we'll, we'll sh I'll show you what, what that could look like as it looked for Esther in this. So um, Esther 4, her response, her response to Mordecai. Uh, Esther 4, 15, starting from 15. 
She was like, all right then. Esther told this reply to Mordecai, of course, through one of the eunuchs. She could never speak to him directly. Go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Did you hear that? She said, fast for me. Neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. My maids and I will do likewise. We'll fast. You hear that? You want a new mantle? Sometimes you get new mantles from fasting. Ha ha. Something our flesh hates. And we're all in a fast. We're all in that global fast. I encourage you, if you haven't stepped in to it, there's surely something you can do in this hour. He's giving out mantles. He's giving out that authority. And many times it's birthed in a place of prayer and in a place of fasting. The mantles are being given out. Thank you, Jesus. So she asked him, go fast and pray for me. And so I will go to the king. She was going to go after the three days, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did all according that Esther commanded him. So if I perish, I perish. Wow. That's a tall order. Most of us, that's not what the Lord is asking us to do. But he might be asking us to get groceries for someone. He might be asking us to give them some money to make some meals for some of the first responders on the ground that don't have the time to have home-cooked meals or family meals, but you can help make their family life a little better by making family meals for those of you that know them. God will give you ideas. This is a time for solutionary people. Prophetic people, and this is a prophetic company, we are solutionary-driven. We are always going and saying, Papa, what do you say about this? What do you say about this? Let's be boots on the ground, as Heidi Baker would say. Boots on the ground. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. You have an opportunity to be a hero today and live and be known for something greater than self. Don't live for self-preservation. It's our time to exercise generosity, to dream with God. And fasting, I'm telling you, it gives you a voice. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to encourage everyone, stay on that fast or go on it now till Easter. Okay. So then we'll go see more of the story. Esther 5, 1 through 8. On the third day, third day of the fast, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her. And he held out to her the gold scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. Then the king asked, what is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, I'll give it to you. If it pleases the king, replied Esther, let the king together with Haman come today to a banquet I have prepared for him. And then the king said, bring Haman at once so that we can go to this, this 
banquet. And then at the banquet, he says, now what's your position? What's your petition? It will be given you. What's your request? Even up to half the kingdom. Let the king and Haman come tomorrow to the banquet I will prepare for them. Then I will answer the question tomorrow. I want to tell you something even about her character. (laughs) I know me. If something this pressing and something so important, people's lives, I would just be screaming and screaming. She had the fortitude to hold back. She knew how to go low and wait on the Lord. Okay? So I'm going to speak this over each one of you right now that's facing what you think are dire circumstances. Peace, be still. Her entire people group were going to be wiped out And she did not scream and yell and start pointing the finger at Haman and accusing. She invited them to a banquet. And then when asked what to do next, what what is the petition? What is it? She said, no, you know, if it pleases you, come back tomorrow. She had dignity and royalty, and she knew the king of kings. She knew how to wait on the Lord and not be anxious for anything. And I just declare that over each one of you. I prophesied over you. That is your portion to wait on the Lord, not in uh, turmoil. We just bind that turmoil right now. All the unrest, all the anxiety, we bind it. We take authority over it in the name of Jesus. We declare it is not your portion. Here is a woman that was faced with annihilation of people in her, of her entire lineage, her entire line from, and they were, they were scattered in every province. Remember, the Jewish people were slaves and they were subdued throughout the 126 provinces. They were scattered in the diaspora. And yet, she held her peace. And I just speak to you today, you too can hold your peace and you can speak over coronavirus and you could say, you are under my feet, you go in Jesus' name, I bind you, be still, be still, implode upon yourself, that's it, no more, no more spreading in the name of Jesus. You can speak these things too. Peace over the storm, peace over your block, peace peace over your apartment building, peace over the streets, peace over the hospitals, peace over the stock market, peace over the banks, peace over the government, peace over the president, peace over our governor, peace over our, um, our mayors, peace. You have that authority. I'm speaking it to you. You have that authority. If you don't know who you are, take it now. You have that authority. You do not have to be anxious for anything. You were born for such a time as this. God knew what he was doing. He set you up for this hour. This is your time. This is your time to rise. This is your finest hour. That's it. That's it. Don't take anything else. So the story keeps going, and we're going to fast forward a bit. We'll go to Esther 7. And this is the second day of another feast. (laughs) She knew how to time it. Timing is everything. Thank you, Jesus. Timing is everything. He's got your times in your hands. Remember what Psalm 16 says, the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. I have a good inheritance. I declare that over each one of you in Jesus' name. 
Thank you, Lord. Okay, Esther 7, verse 2 through 6. And as they were drinking wine on the second day, the king asked yet again, Queen Esther, what is your petition? It will be given you. What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be granted. Then Queen Esther answered, if I have found favor with you. Again, she's going low. She's going humble. She's not telling him off. She's not telling him, I'm the queen. You should have done this and this and this and this for me. And yet you didn't see me for 30 days. Your majesty, if it pleases you, grant me my life. This is my petition. And spare my people. This is my request. For I and my people have been sold to be destroyed, killed and annihilated. If we had merely been sold as male and female slaves, I would have kept quiet, because no such distress would justify disturbing the king. King Xerxes asked Queen Esther, who is he? Where is he, the man who has dared to do such a thing? Esther said, an adversary and enemy, the vile Haman. Then Haman was terrified before the king and queen. Know your place, know your authority, wait on the Lord, get counsel from your spiritual moms and dads around you, look for it, be open to receive it, want to receive it. Who knows? Who knows what God has for you to do for his kingdom and his glory? See, it would have just been for her to be queen. That's just great and dandy. But she was called for such a time as this. And you too are called for such a time as this. She used her royal position not for herself, but for the people. And I want to remind each one of you what the scripture says about each one of us, that we are a royal priesthood and a holy generation to the Lord. He's given you everything you need. Thank you, Jesus. We are going to be the answers at this time. Church, this is our finest hour. We're going to be the answers to this time in this city. <laughs> And we want to see that orphan spirit annihilated from the city along with the coronavirus. In Jesus' name, it's coming down. In the name of Jesus, we are going to be our brother's keeper. Thank you, Lord. And you could say, well, she had a good stepfather he could lead her. I'm telling you, Gideon, an angel had to come to him. Whatever it is, God will give you what you need. Remember, Peter lied, not saying, I don't know Jesus. Paul was a murderer. God will give you what you need, who you need to establish and grow his kingdom on the earth. He's looking for those who would step up to the plate. Remember, get up. Get up and do your share. Get up and do your part. God's sovereign plan usually involves someone that needs to rise up. Would you be that one to rise up? 
You're not a victim. God, and it says in Ezekiel, the Lord says in Ezekiel 22, God says, I looked for a man to stand in the gap. Would you be that man, that woman that stands in the gap right now? It could be in the gap of intercession or whatever it else, boots on the ground. He will cause you to be the solutionary and go right into the heart of the problem. I know many of you, I feel like he's, he's given some of you such smarts and you're getting witty invention ideas. You might be the answer to different um, needs in the city, even different distribution needs that are needed in the city. And I'm just going to declare over you, sit over with the Lord, talk to him about it, and don't be shy. Don't be shy. Tell people your ideas. Tell your friends your ideas so that they can be put before the right people. The word of the Lord says your gift will make room for you and bring you before great men. We've been praying into the seven mountains for since November we've been praying there's a phone call five days on the Monday to Friday every morning that there are people that have been praying into this to pray into being solutionaries and and visionaries even into the seven spheres of society and I'm just prophesying that over you that you will be the solution in this hour can he count on you You can remain silent at this time. And just like Mordecai told Esther, if you remain silent, relief and deliverance will arise, but from somewhere else. It's your opportunity. <laughs> it's your time. Find your name written in the book. Find your name written in his storyline. And run with God. Run with God. So finally, at the closing, I just want to, um, I want to give opportunity. So we don't know who's watching today. You may not know the Lord. And I just want to tell you that Jesus is the only one that satisfies. There's nothing else. There's no one else. Here people were willing to give up their lives back in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Even today, people are willing to give up their lives because they know the King of Kings and they know how loved they are inside. But nothing else in this world satisfies. And I want to show you a description of what it's like that nothing satisfies. What a person in the storyline that we've been talking about today, even from Esther, and it's the bad person, the villain in the whole plot here was Haman. And if we turn to Haman and to Esther, <laughs> Esther chapter 5, verse 11 through 13, we can really see how sad it was, how sad a life it was to live for nothing else but self, which was what Haman lived for. Okay, and it says that from verse 11. Haman, he was the prime minister of Persia, okay? It says, Haman boasted to them, to his family and friends, about his vast wealth, his many sons, and all the ways the king had honored him and how he had elevated him above all the other nobles and officials. And that's not all, Haman said. I'm the only person Queen Esther invited to accompany the king to the banquet she gave. And she has invited me along with the king tomorrow. But all this gives me no satisfaction. 
as long as I see that Jew, Mordecai, sitting at the king's gate. No satisfaction. Do you have hatred in your heart? Do you have bitterness? Do you have unforgiveness? Do you have things that give you no satisfaction? I want to tell you today that the only person that satisfies is Jesus. And I want to give you an opportunity to come to know him as Lord and Savior. The Bible says that he's knocking on the heart, on your heart, on the door of your heart. And he's asking, can I come in and sup with you and you with me? Would you let him in today? And live for a higher purpose than just yourself and things that don't satisfy. Let's pray together. Wherever you are, We thank you, Jesus, that we want to live for you and not for self. We repent of living for self. We repent of all of our sins, and we know we need a Savior. Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart the way I am and cleanse me and clean me and accept me into your kingdom. You know, I feel like even as we're praying this right now that there's someone out there that's saying, I, I'm not worthy of this because you don't know what I've done. But Jesus isn't saying to come clean to him and after you get cleaned up to come to him. He's saying, come as you are. Come as you are. You're his son, you're his daughter. Come as you are, and he will clean you up. It's a step. Would you take that step with him? Would you say yes? Just take that step. Move, move in faith right now. Move in faith now. That's right. Move in faith. Move in faith. Say, yes, Jesus. Say it with me. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. I invite you in. I invite you in. The house is messy, but I invite you in. Would you make it clean? Amen. Amen. That's so awesome. If you did pray that prayer today, I really encourage you to call, call up our prayer line right now. We're going to have our prayer partners all ready and willing to pray with you today. There's going to be a Zoom private prayer call that you can enter into. I encourage you in a few moments, the phone number will be up and it will be spoken about. Please call in. Don't let this opportunity go. Let somebody pray with you in this decision to make sure that you're walking and there's people around you the same way Mordecai was around Esther. We want to make sure that there are people around you that can speak into you and to get you a Bible. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And for the rest of you, I just want to charge you as a mom in the house. I want to charge you to rise up. <laughs> it's your hour. Rise up. Rise up. Do what you can do.
Say yes to the call. Don't run away. Don't run away. Don't run away. Thank you, Lord. Remember what the Lord did with Gideon, with 300. And they didn't even fight. God fought for them. Remember what he did with Esther. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.